0: My guest today is Danny Freeman, author of the book, The U-I-C. When I heard him say this title the first time, I thought it was the letters U, I, and C. This is an example of a time when the title is four words that could be one word in three letters. The U, as in Y-O-U. I, as in me personally, first person, see eyes looking at a situation. Danny Freeman is the author of the UIC, and he is my guest today on Create Collaborate, the podcast for writers who are hoping to publish their first book to great acclaim and fame, fortune, love, adoration, all the good stuff. If you're just writing for the art of it, that's awesome. You probably won't love what we talk about because it's all marketing all the time. Really super excited to let you know sometime next week, hopefully Monday, possibly Tuesday, or even Thursday, Friday, but not as the main Wednesday show, I am bringing to you a special interview about TikTok from somebody who's getting more than 50% of her book sales off of a TikTok channel. It's daunting to think about making videos. Videos with our faces in them. Short videos, lots of videos. But I enjoyed the conversation so much. I will be exploring TikTok myself in the coming weeks. Don't miss that episode next week. It's going to be a bonus one. So I hate saying this. The most important thing you can do right now is subscribe to the show so you don't miss the bonus content. I'll always publish on Wednesday. That's never going to change. But bonus content is sometimes always times awesome content and one more thing we all know it's pointless to rate or review a podcast it just doesn't do anything but something that will make an impact if you have a friend who is a writer who wants to publish a book who wants to make money who wants to know all the secrets of marketing for new authors please share this podcast with him. It's Create Collaborate. You just have to send him a link or tell him, hey, listen to Create Collaborate. It has a stupid spelling. That really helps. Please enjoy my interview with Danny Freeman. Welcome to Create Collaborate, the show for creative writers aspiring to publish their first book. My name is Jody Sperling, and I'm determined to help you, whether you self-publish or storm the gated walls of agents and editors. Today, you'll be hearing from an industry expert on how they made the leap from unpublished to published, and how you can do it too. Right, so the,
1: the book is called The UIC. And it is, it is a young adult novel, and it follows two characters, um, Alex and Brandon. the The book is actually told from Alex's first person point of view, um, but uh, but we get a lot of Brandon in the book as well, um, which you can kind of tell by the title is called the UIC. So there's a sense in which, um, you know, we're certainly getting we're certainly getting Alex's story in the book, but we're also getting you know, the Brandon that Alex sees. And so the book really traces their friendship. Um, they meet at the beginning of seventh grade. Um, Brandon's family is are are long, not really long time members, but his dad is the preacher at this church. It's in Houston set um, in the late 1980s. And um, Alex, it, Alex and his family show up because, Um, Alex's father works at MD Anderson cancer center in Houston. And uh, one of his colleagues has invited him to church, you know, like dozens of times and he and his wife are out of excuses. And so they, they finally show up at this, um, you know, fundamentalist church that they know they're not going to like. I won't even go into their whole backstory, but, but they come not really, not really interested. Um, And Alex and Brandon meet that very first morning and, something happens inside both of them that they don't really understand that they certainly didn't expect. Um, their actual first encounter is kind of disastrous. Alex runs from the kitchen in a flood of tears about halfway through, um, the event that's going on because of Brandon's teasing. And, um, but basically sort of the story follows these two boys as they become friends during seventh grade and eighth grade. Um, and then through high school, it follows their coming out in terms of, um, really we get, we get more of Alex's coming out because again, you know, it's told from his perspective, first person narrator. And so we really follow his coming out as, as a gay teen in Houston, um, you know, uh, in the, in the late 80s, early nineties. And we also get a lot of, of Brandon and his story. Um, and, um, so the, so the story traces sort of both of them as, as individuals, um, you know because of alex's parents um you know i i wanted to explore several different things in the book and so i you know um i made alex's parents you know completely accepting completely affirming um totally totally on board with their son um brandon's parents don't find out until very late in the novel and so you know i kind of set up that contrast between you know two two quite religious parents and two quite you know um secular parents and uh, just tried to explore some different themes around religion, um, around identity. Um, certainly wanted to explore some things around sexual awakening. Um, you know, I have read an awful lot of uh, YA literature um, over the years and, you know, certainly in the last 10 years, there's been a real blossoming of LGBTQ plus characters in, in YA fiction. Um, but a lot of it has to do more with identity and coming out and not necessarily so much sort of the whole, um, you know, coming to terms with the actual like sexual identity and what that means for teenagers. And, and I understand why, you know, cause the, the YA market is certainly geared towards teenagers and even though it's called young adults, it's, it's, it's geared towards teenagers. And so, you know, there's um, you know, there's some, maybe some hesitancy to explore that, you know, too much in the context of a, young adult novel, but, um, but I really wanted to do that. And and I wanted to do that in a, in a tasteful, somewhat understated way, but I didn't want it to be, you know, th- there's a lot of YA novels where, you know, a character, I'm thinking of one in particular, and I don't want to say which one cause I'm not bashing that, you know, but you know, the book is about whether the character's going to come out and how, and the character comes out and, you know, two pages later, he's kissing his first boyfriend. And I'm sure that happens, you know, but I wanted to explore something that was, you know, took place over six years where we really got to see these boys, you know, wrestle with their identity, wrestle with how they feel about one another, what they should do with one another, how they should do it. Um, uh, And it's a pretty slow burn. You know, it, it, it takes them almost two years to kiss. And, you know, the next kind of big step is like two years later and, you know, their final um, uh, very intimate sexual encounter happens in the last 10 pages of the book. And so, you know, it's, it's a, it's a long, slow journey, but I, I, sort of wanted to explore it from that angle, maybe try to push the envelope just a little bit there and try some things and, you know, see what happens. So that's, that's the novel in a nutshell.
0: (laughs) One of the things I hear you talking about is reflecting back on your work and wondering how you might've done it differently. It's, it's that, that feeling of grappling that we all have when we publish a book of like, Oh, I, I wish I could have done something differently.
1: Yeah. So, um, I think there's there's probably several different like paths that, that we could I could go down and explain that, but let me just like say a few big picture things and then I'll kind of back up. I um I think that writers and this is not a bad thing, but I think I mean writing is sort of inherently self indulgent. Um, and, and again, I don't mean that negatively or or a bad. I don't think it's a bad thing, but I think you know a writer thinks I've got something to say. And, and I think I can say it in a way that is, you know, meaningful, relevant, maybe in a way that nobody else has said it. And so there's kind of a, um, you know, th- there's, a, there's a sense of, of confidence, I think, you know, even though writers often tend to, you know, second guess themselves and, and, you know, are plagued with doubts and insecurities. And yet at the same time, there's something that's driving writers to put things on paper and and maybe self-indulgence isn't the best word, but that's, that was one of the things that I thought when I got, when I, when I finished the first draft and it was super long, I thought, I thought some of this is really self-indulgent. Like you've explored some things here that, that were probably really good for you to write about, but they don't belong in here, you know? And, and so, um, you know, just speaking honestly about my experience, you know, the, when I went through the the final draft, the first time, you know, I, I asked myself, you know, what's, what's too self-indulgent? You know, what's maybe a drum that I've beat that I just needed to beat for a little while and I can easily get rid of, you know? And so, so that was pretty easy in terms of just looking for some of those things. Um, And then when I got it whittled down, you know, to um, a little shorter, there were some things that I knew that I could probably get rid of, but I, but I had loved writing them so much. It was difficult for me to have that perspective, you know, to say, Oh, you know, this is a really great chapter. Um, you know, I could see from from an objective standpoint that it wasn't necessarily advancing the story, and it wasn't necessarily telling me anything new about the characters. But it, but it had been a fun char- It had been a fun chapter to write, and and there were some fun moments in the chapter. And um, you know, one of the things I tried to do with these two characters is. Um, you know, I tried to really develop a lot of banter and kind of humor between them. And, um, and so there were some chapters, you know, where there were some really good banter and humor that I didn't want to cut, but, um, you know, but whenever I got to the point where, you know, I had a publisher and an editor and I had some, you know, kind of a, a second pair of eyes who could help me see where I needed to make some cuts. Um, you know, one of the things that he said that was really helpful was, you know, take that dialogue, you know, take, take that 200 words of banter that you want there And, you know, cut it, paste it somewhere, get rid of these other, you know, this, you know, this, uh, you know, 2,500 word chapter, you know, 3,500 word chapter, you probably need to get rid of and and just figure out where you can put that banter in somewhere else. And so, you know, there was a lot of that, Um, you know, so that was really my, that was my big thing was, was trying to go through and say, okay, where is You know, where are the things that are not moving the story forward and where are the things that are not necessarily telling me something new about a character, even though it might've been enjoyable to write. And even though I could imagine people would enjoy reading it, it was a very, very odd experience when I got the first proof copy in my hand, you know, because a proof copy reads so differently than, than, you know, a Microsoft document. Um, And even, even just a step before that, like when it went from a Microsoft to like, when the editor was doing the interior layout and I got a PDF copy, um, you know, just seeing that PDF basically, was kind of like what would be the eventually ebook, you know, you know, I was reading that and that was just such a totally different experience, you know, because I went from having five, 600 words on a page on a Microsoft document to, you know, 200, 250 words, you know, on a, on a, on a page, um, completely messed up, like the formatting, you know, like on a, on a Word document, you can have a fairly long paragraph that doesn't look too long because you've got such wide margins. And then you put it in a book and you're like, that paragraph takes up a whole page, (laughs) you know? And so, you know, it made me go back and think about, you know, where can I, you know, break paragraphs differently so that it doesn't, certainly for young readers, you don't want to see page after page of wall to wall text. You know, you want to, you want to see some paragraphs and, Um, you know, writing is one of those processes that it never feels done. And, and I've certainly learned that with that. And I think I've learned, you know, to trust my gut on maybe streamlining even more, which is funny because at first my gut was not to streamline.
0: You've talked about your publisher and the relationship there. So I want to explore that a little bit. Talk to me about, um, publishing, how you got it published, where you got it published, and uh, you have you have mentioned some things about the editing process and what that's looked like.
1: To be honest, when I sat down and started writing, I didn't have a an idea in mind that I was going to try to publish the book. It was just sort of something that I was writing. And uh, I had some different friends who read it and gave me some feedback and helped me you know shape it. And so I got to the point where I thought, what do I want to do with this? Do I want to try to get it published? Um, and really at that point, I knew nothing about publishing. I'll just say I was a complete novice. And so I didn't know what to do with it. And so I went online and just did what everybody did and of you know, Googling, you know, how to get a, no- a novel published. And, you know, I, I read a lot about, uh, you know, trying to get an agent and, and did, went on YouTube and watched quite a few different videos from, um, there's a couple of different literary agencies that run. Um, some nice youtube channels and um, a really good one just to plug them because i think it's good it's called uh, bookends literary agency they have a, a really nice series on youtube um and there are quite a few number of people who are um who worked in the publishing industry for a number of years who are now out of it maybe doing different things and and they've got some nice um you know videos on youtube and to be honest you know kind of after several months of investigating i realized that um you know, getting an agent and then getting an agent who can actually get the book sold. And then, you know, all of that was, was a really daunting process. And to be honest, I didn't know that I wanted to go through that whole process. And so, um, I knew a little bit, a little bit about, you know, sort of independent presses. And so I thought, well, you know, maybe I should just look into some different independent publishers and, you know, see kind of what's out there, um, I knew I didn't necessarily wanna go down the route of independent publishing, but I I just didn't wanna do sort of that much on my own. And so I looked into some different independent publishers and found Atmosphere Press, which is based out of Austin. And um, I just, I liked a lot of kind of what I saw on their website, and I had a few email conversations uh, with some of their folks and had a couple of initial phone calls and So I thought, well, you know, like, let's just submit to them and see what happens. And um, I guess after maybe about four or five weeks, I heard back from them and they said they were interested in, in, you know, uh, publishing the novel. And that was kind of where it went from there. And, uh, you know, honestly, looking at, looking back at, at the whole process now, um, I'm really glad that I decided to go with them. I, I, um, I think that I think that the, the traditional publishing industry is a really, really hard thing to break into. And um, I think it, it can be a difficult thing to break into just for a number of reasons. Um, and, and I'm glad that there's that, you know, there, there are some other routes out there. And I, I feel good about you know, the route that, that I've taken. Um, I don't know what I would do if I, you know, I, I do have a second manuscript and I have no idea what I'm going to do with it it's just on hold because I kind of want to, I want to see where this book goes and see what happens and um, don't want to get too far ahead of myself. So, um, so that's, you know, that, that's, that's my journey with publishing so far.
0: Tell me a little bit about atmosphere. Cause you've mentioned traditional publishing, you've mentioned uh, self-publishing and uh, where do you see atmosphere publishing sitting with uh, within that spectrum?
1: Atmosphere Press is, I think the technical term is hybrid. I think they're a hybrid publisher. Um, so they're sort of in, they're between completely independent and completely traditional. Um, so they they handle the editing. They do the proofreading. Um, they do the uh, marketing, the distribution, the publicity, all of that kind of stuff. Um, now, the difference with uh, you know, like with, with, with the traditional publisher is that, um, I mean, for lack of a better word, the, uh, you know, the traditional publisher, um, I mean, the trade-off is like with, with, with atmosphere press, you know, I'm actually paying for some of that myself, but the trade-off is I get 100% of royalties. Um, whereas like with the traditional publisher, obviously, you know, you sign a contract and, you know, based on what you negotiate, you get a certain percentage of, you know, the royalties. Um, And, you know, also different from a traditional, I mean, a self-publisher where, um, you know, where you're paying basically for every single, you know, part of the publishing process. So that's kind of, I think, where they fall sort of more in that hybrid category, where they're, they're kind of a blend of the two different categories. Even with traditional publishers, there's a big, um, there's an expectation that, that the authors will do a lot of publicity on their own. Um, and, you know, I sort of had this idea in mind that, you know, if you went with a traditional publisher, you know, you signed the contract and they just took it over and you sat back and waited for the royalty checks to come in, uh, which probably is the way it happened 50, you know, years ago, maybe even 20 years ago. But, um, you know, Today, you know, there's a big expectation that authors are, you know, on social media, you know, out there plugging their books. Um, I even know someone that I've made contact with recently. Um, he was t- published with one of the big five, and he's told me, you know, that, you know, he's spent, I think he said, you know, between seven and eight thousand dollars of his own money on publicity, you know, buying Facebook ads, buying Instagram ads you know, the publisher does that, but, um, but he's not seeing the sales that he would like to see. And so he's, you know, out there doing that. And which I think a lot of people would find surprising, you know, that even if you go traditional, um, you know, that you might, you could certainly let them pay for all of that, you know, but if you want to sort of kick it up a notch, you know, that you might have to do some of that. Um, and even the same, the same author, uh, had paid for the services of, a. I guess, for lack of a better word, like a TikTok influencer who was helping him sort of boost his profile on TikTok because he felt like that was where he was getting some more traction with readers. And so, um, uh, you know, so all of that is to say that um, it's a, you know, it's a tough market, I think. And, and no matter which route you go, you know, there's a lot of there's a lot of self-publicity Um I even, maybe it was you, I can't remember if it was you or if it was someone else on Twitter who said one time recently that basically becoming an author today, even traditionally published, it's like being a small business owner. It's almost like it's, it's, you know, it's a full-time job, which has been an eye-opener for me, honestly, because I think I was pretty naive.
0: (laughs) Talk to me a little bit more about the process. What do you pay for? What do they pay for? What do they do? What do you do? What do they expect from you? What do you expect from them dig into that relationship a little bit more.
1: So, so when I signed the first contract with atmosphere, you know um, you know, I paid uh, you know, a certain amount for um, for their services. So it's like a vanity press in that sense that they um, you know, that they, they sent me a contract, you know, I looked it over, looked at what they're, you know, are willing to do for me and then decided that, yeah, that's, that's what I want. Um, and just to be clear, you know, and, and I guess, you know, I don't know how this separates from maybe an independent press that might be a little different, but, um, like with atmosphere, um, they don't actually make anything off the sale of my book. Um, so I, I actually get 100% of, of the profits, you know, like, so for example, I think, um, you know, I, my book costs five something, you know, to print, and so whatever it sells for over five whatever is, you know, is what I make. Um, and so, you know, that's their model in terms of, um, you know, how, how they make their money. They, they provide that service, but then they also, um, you know, they don't make anything off the back end. And also something different with them is that I retain the copyright for the book, uh, which wouldn't happen, you know, in a traditional in a traditional publishing, you know, situation. Um, you know, so if for example, I wanted to, um, you know, do something with that manuscript with that book, you know, somewhere later down the road, I don't have to get any kind of permission from, you know, uh, atmosphere Press in order to do something with that book. So, um, so I think that's kind of sketches out the difference, you know, between, um, uh, between that. Um, and, and I will say, you know, another thing that they are, one of the reasons I I decided to go with them too, is, um, um, I contacted some other people who had, you know, uh, who had worked with atmosphere press and, um, they all to a person, I, I sound like I'm doing an infomercial for them and I'm not necessarily trying to sell other people in their services, but, um, you know, they're very, very responsive, um, very, very helpful, um, very professional. Um, I mean, I think they've done a fantastic job. Um, I was just telling, I I was back in touch with the, uh, with the art team the other day. And I said, you know, I said, I've been, you know, posting my book on Twitter and I, you know, scroll through and I see, you know, I, you know, I must see hundreds and hundreds of book covers. And I told them, I said, you know, I said, my cover like totally stands out. I said, you guys did an absolutely amazing job. You know, I said, I can usually tell like the industry covers and my cover. And then I can kind of tell all the ones that are probably self-published. And again, I'm not being negative, but, you know, it's, you know, if you're not a graphic designer, if you don't have, you know, sort of that expertise, it's really hard to put together, you know, a really top-notch, <laughs> you know, um, you know, book cover that's going to stand out. And so, you know, so, so they've been very helpful, very professional with that. Um, and, um, and as far as like on the publicity end, you know, they, you know there are a lot of things that they're handling, um, but I think that they've also they're also very open to whatever I've wanted to do to partner with them, and so um, we kind of do some tag teaming. Which uh, you know not to get too far into this, but because um, um, this is kind of more into the publicity and marketing. But you know as we're reaching out to different platforms, um, you know they're handling some of the. Uh, like bigger requests with bigger platforms, Um, you know, just because it's sort of, you know, the credibility of a publisher reaching out, you know, but, um, you know, I'm doing some of the smaller, uh, you know, smaller platforms, smaller asks in that sense. And um, I've also roped in some friends who are willing to, you know, make contacts with different organizations that they have. And so, um, so really it's kind of all hands on deck as far as the publicity Um, uh, and, and very luckily, I mean, we didn't really time it this way, but it worked out really well that, uh, you know, pride month is coming up in the month of June and the big ad push from there and starts in June. And so it's kind of nice to be able to tie in, you know, this young book, I mean, this young adult book about, uh, you know, two gay teens, you know, sort of tying that into pride month. And so, um, so I'm relying on them for a lot of the, kind of the big, the big ad push and some of the fancier stuff that I, you know, don't know how to do and wouldn't even know where to start. Um, But they're sending a lot of things my way, you know, that I'm following up on, you know, personally, or I've got friends who are willing to, you know, kind of act as a intermediary as well. So, Uh, but again, it's, it's a lot more than what I anticipated.
0: (laughs) So in closing, talk to me a little bit about uh, what they are doing in terms of the, the marketing that they're doing. Cause that's a great place that you landed. And it's something that I was really curious about as you were talking, it sounds. So is that part of the package uh, of the cost to publish the book? They, they sent over a contract and in the contract, it said, we will help to publicize this book for X number of months, or these are the things that we will do to publicize this book for this period of time. What does that part of the contract look like? Cause it sounds like there's a very clear organized uh, push Right. So the, um,
1: there were actually some options within the publicity and the marketing,
0: um, because for
1: example, um, you know, one of the things that they're doing with my book is, is running it for two months on NetGalley, um, which is, you know, a major, um, a a major platform for, um, for, for booksellers, for librarians, for all sorts of people who are, uh, you know, connected into the um, into the book world, and obviously it costs you know money to run something on NetGalley. I mean, if you were a self if you were doing self publishing, you could get your book you know on NetGalley, but you would have to you know pay that out of pocket. Um, and you know, traditional publishers obviously you know put books on NetGalley. Um, I do know that uh, they don't necessarily always put that on there for a long period of time. Um, I, I think that two months, I think the two months that Atmosphere is doing might be a bit longer than some traditional publishers. Um, another thing, not to go too far off in this, but I know that um, from some of the feedback that I've gotten is, um, you know, with, with a lot of traditional publishers, um, you know, they, they don't necessarily, they're a bit more uh, conservative with a new author, you know, if you've had two best best-selling books, you know, your third one, you know, they're going to go all in for, right? <laughs> and, you know, if it's your first book, you know, they, you know, they're out to make money. And so they're going to be, you know, a bit more um, conservative um, unless they feel for some reason they've got something that's just, you know, going to, you know, fly off the shelves. Um, you know, so, so with Atmosphere Press, so they did, they give, there are some, some, there's a menu of options and based on, you know, sort of what you want to do and um, also sort of how involved you want to be. Um, Yeah. So, so for example, so they send out also to, to Kirkus, to independent book review. Um, They're also reaching out to a number of um, different podcasts that they think might tie, you know, specifically into the genre, the audience for the book. They're running some ads in Oh, I hope I don't mess up the name of this magazine. Is it uh, Writers and Poets Magazine? Is that right?
0: Poets and Writers. Yeah. You just got it backwards. Yep.
1: Yeah. Um, There's, you know, they're doing, they're running an ad in there. Um, They do, you know, social media advertising with uh, uh, Facebook and Instagram. I don't think they actually advertise on TikTok, as far as I know. That's basically what they do. I think it's pretty similar to, you know, what a traditional publisher does. Again, it, it, you know, even within traditional publishing, um, you know, there are, there are probably levels of, of what a publisher is actually putting into, you know, uh, into various books and probably also depends a lot on the genre as well. Um, you know, cause certainly something that's more of a, of a niche book probably gets less of a advertising budget than something that's going to, you know, appeal to a broader audience. And, um, and again, you know, there are certainly authors out there who go traditional, who end up, you know putting an awful lot of, you know, their own time and effort and even money into into the publicity and and marketing on on the back end. Um, Oh, I should say the other thing that that Atmosphere has been very helpful with is um, providing contacts for independent bookstores around the country. Um, You know, that's certainly something that an author could, you know, find with their own, but it's kind of nice to have a, a nice list of, you know, bookstores around the country that are, you know, independent bookstores and what they specialize in and, and ways to reach out to them. So, um, yeah, so they've been really helpful. Um, I mean, it's definitely an investment on my part, you know, as opposed to going with the traditional publisher where, you know, you might get some sort of an advance, you know, at the beginning um, and then some portion of the royalties, you know, later down the road. Um, you know, I decided to decided to try this option just to see what it was like.
0: It sounds like it's been a, a phenomenal experience for you. And one that has taught you a great deal about the publishing industry. I just want to say a, a huge thank you for your time uh, and everything that you were able to share with the readers. I will have a link to your book in my show notes. Where do you want the listeners to find you?
1: Yeah. So um, I have a website. It's pretty easy. It's dfreemanbooks.com. So uh you can go there and check out the website. And um, one of the things I've tried to do on the website, just to put a little plug for it is to uh, put some resources there for, um, I, you know, there's a good chance that maybe some, some people who are finding this book um, are in the process of making sense out of the whole queer experience. And so it could be, could be teenagers, could be adults, could be parents, teachers. Um, so the website is, um, has some uh, some resources around awareness and education and advocacy for the LGBTQ plus um, community. Also, some other links to movies and books, and just you know, just kind of a an all around website for people who are interested in learning more about the queer community and finding resources to help them on that journey. Um, you can also find me on Twitter um, <laughs> good old Twitter is always there. And, uh, I met D Freeman books on Twitter. And so they can definitely find me there. Uh, the book is on Goodreads. The book is on, uh, Amazon again, it's only available for pre-order right now, but it's, it's, uh, certainly, certainly, certainly out there and can be found. So.
0: I'm really excited to point everybody toward it. Uh, Pre-order is one of the most important things that an author can do. And so we want to get as many people as we can buying the book before it actually hits the shelf. Uh, And what the heck, maybe we'll accidentally hit one of the lists for you. So uh, really, (laughs) really appreciate your time today, Danny, and uh, please don't be a stranger. Keep in touch. Let me know how things are going and we'll talk to you again next time.
1: Yes. Thank you, Jody. I really appreciate it. Thanks.
0: Thanks for listening today. And remember, you should never feel bad for telling the truth. So get out there and write. And if you've got a killer story, apply to be a guest on our show. Email me at Jody at gmail.com or find me on Facebook, Jody J. Sperling. And hey, there's no point in telling stories if nobody's listening.